Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages live down the This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. We are streaming live down the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's show, we will continue to discuss the subject, the third angel's message. We will be studying what the Bible teaches. Our guest speaker, is based in Maryland in the United States of America. More about our guest after we've had some music. Day I see you as you are. 
Please take my loving offering. I praise you with my offering. I lift my humble offering. This melody from my The Third Angel's Message We will continue to discuss this subject tonight with Elder Ray Ricardo. Have a pen and paper ready to write down some notes. Let's now call Elder Ricardo and see if he's available. Hello? Hello, good evening. Elder Ricardo, you are live on the Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. How are you this evening? Fine, thank you, John. Yourself? Yes, I'm fine by God's grace. Yes, fine. Praise the Lord. Well, Elder Ricardo, tonight we will be discussing these questions together. What does patience mean? Who is a saint? What are the commandments of God? What is the faith of Jesus? And why does the third angel's message end with the saints? So, Elder Ricardo, as we continue studying the third angel's message, shall we have a word of prayer together before we start this evening? Absolutely. Our Father in heaven, once again, we thank you for the blessed privilege of coming together to meditate and to contemplate the wonderful things that you have in store for your saints. The word of the Lord is full of life, and uh, God, we thank you for opening the truth to us. Now we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will come and bless us, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, and help us each one to remember the loving kindness that you have toward us. So, Lord, once again, in Jesus' name, bless us and keep us now. May your angels preserve and protect. May the Holy Spirit abide. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Elder Ricardo, what does patience mean in accordance to the Scripture? You know, John, looking at the third angel's message, and you have to take verses 9 to 12 as a collective uh, concept, obviously, because it is all-encompassing in regarding the third angel's message. Yes. And what I mean by that is the 12th verse uh, is, a, is, is an integral part of the third angel's message, as well as verse 9 or 10 or, or 11, for that matter. Yes. And what you have here uh, in the in the third angel's message is uh, when you reach at least verse twelve is a contrast. There's a a um, a parallel um, concept, and it's really dealing with two groups of people. Let me explain. Right. When you look at verses nine through eleven, there's one group God is warning about not worshiping the beast, implying very clearly. There are those who have not yet done so, and or there are those who have um, committed themselves, and he's calling them to come out. Uh, and, uh, and so he's pleading with them. And then when you get to verse 12, though, here is a group who has already made up their mind. They're not going to follow the beast. They're not going to worship his image. They're not going to receive the mark. Uh, of the beast and so forth. And they're called the saints. So you have two groups of people and they're contrasted with each other. One worships the beast, one receives the mark of the beast, and the other worships God and and uh, and they keep his commandments. Now, this is very fascinating when yes. you start to contrast this because once again, you have the mark of the beast contrasted with those who keep the commandments of God, implying very clearly 
that whatever the mark of the beast is, now we've already covered this, but that's just for the sake of the argument, uh, uh, work through this. He says, whatever the mark of the beast is, is in direct opposition to the Ten Commandments. So it has to do with something, one of those Ten Commandments. And, uh, And the mark of papal authority is the fact that she thinks, as Daniel says in Daniel 7.25, she can uh, change uh, God's law and his times. In other words, the mark of papal authority is that she claims to be above the Bible, that the word of God is subservient to her instead of her being subservient to the word of God. So she claims she's above the word of God. And remember, who is the word? Not what is the word. Who is the word of God? Jesus said, I am the the word of God. So the word of God is Jesus Christ. So when Rome claims that she's above the word of God, she's claiming she's she's above God himself. And so here you have this two groups of people. And the mark of the beast is in direct opposition to the Ten Commandments, and there are saints, God-fearing people who love Jesus, who keep his commandments, implying what? That they defy and reject papal authority, that they do not go along with this notion that she, or for that matter, any other institution or group, uh, are above the Word of God, that the Bible is supreme, that it is the the authority um and so this is what you have so now when you come to the patience of the saints think of this now think of this you have one group worshiping the beast one worship one following after him and then it says here is the patience of the saints now this is very interesting because he's contrasting you don't see patience manifested anywhere in verses 9 through 11 no so that would imply, obviously, impetuosity, irrational decision, not, not, no common sense, not, nothing that would indicate a logical, methodical, rational thinking. Here we have the patience of the saints. Now, the word patience, obviously, in one way, obviously, is to is to in, in um, means to, you know, be waiting and, and, and trusting and 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 uh, not in a hurry. But I want to show you some very interesting scriptures. And let's first of all, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to show you a very interesting uh, couple of scriptures dealing with the patience uh, that we're talking about here. And by the way, just for our listeners, I want to encourage you to take a concordance and you go through and look up the word patience and uh, or whatever topic, the subject you may be looking at. And let me tell you, friends, you're going to find uh, oodles and oodles of, uh, of uh, you know, information and insights and the nuances of the scriptures to enlighten your mind. And one of those will be in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's look here, verse 35. Hebrews 10, 35. So we're looking at the concept of what does it mean to be patient. Yes. Hebrews 10, 35. It says this, cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath a great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and that in he that shall come, will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, and if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But, but we who are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now, here you have a contrast between two groups of people. Yes. One who's cast away their faith. They've walked away from the concept of justification by faith. And, and he says, they no longer endure. He says, they draw back. They fall back into perdition, into damnation. He said, but yes. you're not of those people. He's telling you to hold on, be patient, endure, don't let go. And, and and cling to the, the very essence of what it means to be patient in God. And, and that is to, to, to uh, look for, he says, in yet a little while, he that shall come will come. He won't tarry. Hold on. Persevere. Yes. So the patience here in this concept is talking about trusting, waiting patiently upon the Lord, er- e- e- eagerly doing the will of God in the meantime. Patience doesn't mean you sit idly by and do nothing. Yes. Patience implies you're busy about doing God's will, 
but waiting upon the fulfillment of what it is that God has has promised, and 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 you persevere, you endure, and so that's one great concept about patience. Go to the other one. Here's another one I found, yes. and uh, there, as I say, there are many, but yes. I just want to show a few. James chapter five. Go to James five. Look what it says here in James five verse seven. James says, and by the way, just a just a reminder of our listeners in verses one to six. James is talking about last day events. He's talking about those things that are going to take place just before the second coming of Jesus. And he's really talking about the corruption of the, uh, the wealthy, the elite, um, uh, their, their, their selfishness, their greed, and how eventually all their wealth will come to naught. But then he says to the saints, words of encouragement, he says, be patient, therefore. In other words, therefore, in the light of what you just have read and understand, yes. I want you to, main, to maintain patience. He says, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord, another one to be patient unto the very day of the reckoning of God. And by the way, this is a direct um, um, parallel to what we just read out of, out of Hebrews. He says, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Yeah. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. And then he goes on to say, grudge not one, one against another. Now, this is very interesting because what happens when you're no longer patient? You get irritated and you start to complain and whine and, and murmur. He says, I don't want you to begrudging one another. He says, brethren, lest ye be condemned, behold, the judge stands before the door. In other words, <laughs> be careful yes. what you're doing in this waiting period. Be careful because God's going to judge you. He says, take my brethren, the prophets. He says, I want you to learn a lesson and I want you to learn from the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience and this is another key concept along with patience yes patience implies endurance but endurance implies tribulation and conflict you've yes. got to hang on you've got to hold on in the meantime i don't want you to becoming mean and obnoxious and belligerent and rude and and grudging one another i want you to be kind and thoughtful and considerate i want you to be christ-like then he goes on to say this in final verse. He says, behold, we count them happy who endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. You have seen the end result of the, what the Lord has done, that the Lord is very pitiful and full and tender of mercy. So Amen. we know the story of the book of Job and the account of what happened to his life. And and God here in, 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 the, in the book of uh, of of James, God is telling you if you really want to understand the true essence of patience, He's telling you, I want you to study the life of Job. Yes. And so this is this is just I, I thought the question was so beautifully asked because of the in the light of the thir third angel's message, yes. and He starts it off. Here is the patience of the saints. Right off the bat, that's the first thing you hear about the righteous. Yes, patience oh, certainly. Yes, thanks, Elder Ricardo. And I'd just like to share one more text as well, um, listeners, mm. to, again, to reiterate the point that Elder Ricardo has drawn out from the Word. And this is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 to 11. Because many may feel that they have patience within themselves. But what mm. does the Bible say? It says here, that's Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 to 11, that you might walk worthy of the Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Amen. And so this is so you see, as Elder Ricardo had shared before, that these are the attributes of character that the saints of God have. And 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 patience, the patience they have hasn't come from themselves. It comes from the glorious power of God and of Christ. And it helps them to endure their trials with joyfulness. And 
the lesson for us today is that if we want to have that experience, we must allow the Lord to strengthen us and submit to his power. So I just wanted to add that as well to, so that we can share with you from the scriptures what the Lord is stating when he says the patience of the saints. Um, they're strengthened by God to endure the trials that they have to go through for his honor and for his glory. And so, Amen. Elder Ricardo, now, who is a saint? <laughs> now, you know, John, I'm going to tell you something. This, again, these are thought-provoking questions yes. because these are questions that we often don't really sit down and analyze. We'd not, In other words, we assume we know these things, yes. and so, therefore, we then are led to the position where uh, well, what's the need to really study any further? I already know these things. However, however, I think under under um, thoughtful and considerate investigation, you might find out you may not really know as much as you thought you did, yes. and uh, and you end up discovering uh, really some vital, vital truths. Well, let's go. And look at a few passages now. And by the way, once again, this is the kind of a subject that uh, really you could spend an hour, two hours, three hours delving into because there's just so much. What constitutes a saint? Well, let's go to the book of uh, Jude. I want to go here first. And I want to look here, Jude. And we're looking now at verse 3. All right, let's look at er, uh, verse 3. Now, the book of Jude is uh, obviously a very small epistle. It's only 25 verses. It's not a very big book, obviously, but nonetheless, it is loaded with enormous uh, insights and information. But if we look now here, looking at verse 3, because you have really the introduction and the admonition of Paul or uh, Jude writing, he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, let's stop right there. Right. What does the implication of this statement mean in reference to the saints? Listen to what he says. Again, listen very carefully. He says, I'm, I'm writing unto you and exhorting you. So this isn't enough that he just writes. He's writing with the intent for them to not to forget exhortation. I'm pleading with you, he says, that you earnestly contend for the faith. That's really the essence which was once delivered unto the saints. So a saint is one who earnestly contends for the faith, who earnestly defends the th- the faith of God. Yeah. A saint is is not someone who's complacent. It's not someone who sits around idly by and ignores the the uh, realities of those things that exist around him. Instead, a saint is a and I use this in the, in the proper way as Paul talks about in Ephesians. He's a fighting saint. He's a fighter for God. He's, he puts on the armor of the Lord. He defends the truth. He stands up for what's right. Now, of course, he does it in the spirit of Jesus Christ. He does it in the character of Christ. But the problem today, John, is yes. that we have so many people who claim to be Christians, claims to be a saint. And the reality is, dear friends, that they only make a profession of what they claim to be when the reality is the opposite because their life is completely contradicting what they're stating. A saint is not someone who folds their hands, turns a blind eye when apostasy, sin, and corruption are running rapid both in the world and in the church. A saint is one who stands up and, as as Jude said, earnestly contends. Now, again, that's a very strong language. Uh, we, we it kind of fails to really meet the impact in the way it's it, it described, but it, it, the original means you're you're a fighter. And again, I'm, that's not a physicality; it has to do with spiritual, you know, the spirituality. Yes, it has to do with fighting for what's right, standing up and be counted. You know, look, there comes a time you must unfurl your flag and let everybody know where you stand. Whose side are you on? 
And today we are being confronted with every kind of immoral, perverted uh, theory that is un, uh, un, uh, unimaginable. It's just brought out in every form and fashion, um, whether it's the uh, the transgender movement, whether it's the, uh, I don't know, the LBGTQZXYZ, whatever all the letters they use now, yes. uh, movement or whatever else. And now, again, you know, um, uh, men don't know if they're really men. They think they're women. Women think they're men, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and the times come, look, you have to stand up and defend the honor of God. This is not about you. And this is another very important point about a saint. And you brought, you alluded to this, John. Look, this is not about us. No, It's not the power in me. I don't have any power. This is about God working in us. And if God is truly in you, yes. He's th- and, and you are uh, a thoroughly converted holy vessel unto the Lord, then you will honor his name. Yes. And a part of that honoring his name is standing up for the faith. Think about this in the light of the third angel's message. that We have people fo- following the beast, worshiping his image, receiving his mark. Let me tell you. I'm going to tell all our listeners, and they better understand this. If now today in these comparatively peaceful times you find it difficult to stand up for Jesus Christ, you will never stand up when the time comes when the mark of the beast is issued. Because, dear friends, now is the time to cultivate the spirit of a Christ-like attitude towards those things that are are, uh, essential uh, in in these times. We have to stand up and be counted. And so what does what is a saint? A saint is a one who contends for the faith. That's number one. All right. Let's look now in Romans. Let's go over to the book of Romans. And here we're going to find what Paul considers to be a true saint. Now, again, it's not necessarily what we profess, but this is what Paul's going to deal with. Let me talk to you or deal with it right here. Romans chapter two. Let's look over here. Now, when we look at the word saint, uh, there are those, uh, particularly within the Catholic faith, who who subscribe to the idea in order to be a saint, the Pope has to, uh, uh, you know, uh, basically <laughs> officially proclaim you yeah. to be a saint. So, in other words, it's an elevated form of of uh, of, of uh, almost almost like as if you're being knighted. Um, but really, that's not the biblical term. Anyone who follows the Lord Jesus Christ biblically and keeps his commandments, according to Revelation uh, 14, what we just read in 12, is a saint. Yes. And so, but let's look here. Look what it says here in Romans chapter uh, 2, verse 20, uh, 28. All right. So he says, he is not a Jew. Now, again, that word Jew is synonymous to the word saint. And let me explain to our listeners what he's talking about. Paul, in this particular point of the argument that he's making here in Romans, is dealing with the issue of really what constitutes a true follower of God. And, uh, and of course, the Jews are saying, well, you had to be circumcised in order to be uh, a true follower. And then and they base their, their whole existence upon the fact that they were literal descendants of Abraham. And therefore, that must mean that they, uh, they are truly God's people. That's what it really means. And Paul's saying, listen, circumcision, it was given for a lesson to teach you to learn to live by faith. And uh, and because just because you're a literal descendant of Abraham doesn't yes. automatically constitute the fact that you are a follower of God. And so he's trying to teach them the spirituality of the true meaning of circumcision and what it really means to be a descendant of Abraham. And so. There are two ways you can descend from Abraham, and he brings this out in the book of Romans, and that is one, through literal descent, and the other, and which is more important and more vital, and it is the key issue, really, and that is to be a spiritual descendant of Abraham. If you live by faith in the promises of God and walk by faith in the assurance that God has given to you, you are, you are a child of Abraham. Yes. You are a true, true child of God. So listen to what he says. He is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. In other words, who's really a child of God? It's not the one who is comes who's outwardly. Neither is he of that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one 
inwardly and circumcision of that heart in the spirit and not of the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. This gives God the glory. Yes, right. And so it's spiritual. It's spiritual. So what is a saint? A saint is someone who lives by faith in the promises of God and is one who's spiritual in nature, truly, truly uh, a, a, a follower of the of the faith of Abraham. And then finally, we're going to go right back to where we started, Romans, or excuse me, Revelation 14, there in verse 12. Look wow. at what he says. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. So he really tells you right there immediately, once again, what who constitutes a saint. What is a saint? A saint is somebody who, who keeps God's commandments. If you're not keeping God's seventh-day Sabbath, uh, and again, we're assuming you're aware of it, you're knowledgeable of these things, you, you have an understanding of the true seventh-day Sabbath. So if you have a knowledge and understanding that, that the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, and yet you refuse to obey, regardless of what you profess to be, you're contrary to what God declares. And God declares a saint to be a keeper of the Ten Commandments of God. That's yes. what the Bible declares. Okay, yes. so there you have it. And by the way, just again, and also, also the faith of Jesus. Remember, both of these go together. God's yes. commandments cannot be kept unless it's done by the faith of Jesus. Yes. Yes, well, thanks, Elder DiCardo. And um, moving on now, as um, that's been comprehens- comprehensively covered. Now, again, something that people can take for granted if they're not careful. But we must look at this once more. What are the commandments of God? Now, this is there are several ways in which you can approach this. Number one, obviously, from Exodus chapter twenty, yes. when you begin to investigate the Ten Commandments, and and there it's 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 clearly laid out what those Ten Commandments actually are, and then you can analyze even further uh, when you realize that the Ten Commandments are written on two tables of stone. Yes, and then you can continue on with that concept and understand the principles that Jesus taught. If you love the Father, uh, God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself, you realize that these Ten Commandments written on two tables of stone are embodied in two principles. Loving the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul constitute the summation of the first four commandments. Right. And loving your neighbor as yourself is a social compact you make, not only with God, but with your fellow man, and that is a summation of the last six written on the second table of stone. So here you find, that's why Paul, by the way, you find love is the fulfilling of the law. The very essence of keeping the law is relegated to the position of love. Friends, if you don't have love in your heart, what's the point of going to, you know, listen, forget keeping the commandments. You don't have love. What's the point of going to church on Saturday or any other day if the love of God doesn't abide in the heart? So, so you, so you can break this down in many forms and fashions, and analyze the essence of of the Ten Commandments. Uh, and and again, as I say, you can look at them individually, each commandment, and break them down accordingly. However, though, when you're looking at this subject here, you find the Ten Commandments introduced in relation to the saints who right. are contrasted with those who receive the mark of the beast. Yeah. So you, can, you have one way of looking at it. Now, there's another way, and I want to share this with our listeners. In Psalm 119, verse 172, it says, all thy commandments are righteousness. Now, listen very carefully. All thy commandments are righteousness. Yes. So the Ten Commandments are a standard by which we understand and measure the righteousness of God. Meaning what? Righteousness is that which is doing uh, doing what is right. You do what's right because it's the right thing to do, not because you're trying to earn your way to heaven, but, but rather you understand what is it, what it constitutes the proper action to take under a various set of circumstances. Right. Always do that which is right performing that which is right out of love, and you are performing righteousness. Not that you of yourself can perform this. You don't have the ability. But God in you, both the will and to do of his good pleasure, will work these things out through you. So you find here very clearly that the Ten Commandments constitute a standard of righteousness. You know, we used to say this in society. We don't say it anymore. We used to call it the moral law. 
Yes. The reason we don't claim that anymore is because the issue of morality. We want today in society, they, the, the, the world wants an amoral society. Don't tell me that there are fixed morals. That's what they don't want to hear. Because if there's fixed morals, that means there's a right and there's a wrong. And yes. if there's a right and a wrong, that means when you do wrong, there's judgments, there's consequences. Yes. So they want an amoral society, and that fu fundamentally relegates itself to the position of, I'll decide for myself what's right and wrong. You don't judge me. I won't judge you. Everybody lives their own standard of what they consider to be right and wrong. And really, let's be honest, dear friends. That is, that is absolute nonsense. There's no such thing as a truly an amoral society, because what really happens is this. When people reach this point of becoming an amoral society, what they're really saying is we want to live our lives to such a way that if you e even think contrary to it or act contrary to it, we will not only oppose you, but we will force you into a position whereby you become amoral. In other yes. words, we're not going to be content with ourselves being amoral. We're going to now impose upon you our amoral uh, society and life. And I'll tell you this right now. We are there. We have reached a point where you can no longer not only uh, – listen, your society has reached a point that, you, that it's, you are no longer free to express your honest opinion regarding any other issue uh, or uh, any issue that conflicts with their standard uh, of life yes. or morality. Yes. And, and this is where we're at. So when we're looking at the Ten Commandments, it's a standard of righteousness. Now, let's continue on. Exodus 33. And 34, these two chapters. Now, we don't have time to look at both of these chapters. However, I want to make reference to them so that our audience will pay attention and go back and do investigation. Right. If you look at Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, Moses asked God a question. And it is a very important question. He says, show me your glory. Right. Now, Moses really didn't understand the the true intent or the uh, uh, the important of uh, you know, of this word or this question because because had God revealed to him which God even indicates had he revealed to him his true glory he would have consumed Moses it would have yes, been impossible so. so he said look Moses I'm going to do something he says I'm going to pass by you in a shadow I'm going to pass by. He says, there's a cleft there's on a rock. He says, I want you to hide back there. You're going to see me. I'm going to pass by you. He says, I'm going to pronounce my name. And then he does one other thing, which is very interesting at the end. And this is the beginning of chapter 34. He, he then rewrites the Ten Commandments. Because remember, Moses had already broken the Ten Commandments right. because of the worshiping of the golden calf, etc. And so he, God says, I'm going to write the Ten Commandments uh, to you. Now, this is very fascinating. It's all in reference to the question, show me your glory. Now, think very carefully. What does God do? He reveals his glory by, by, by passing by him, showing yes. him an image, the, his God's image. He reveals his character. He tells him who he is. He's merciful, kind, and compassionate, and so forth. Then the third thing he does, he, re he, he rewrites the Ten Commandments on the yes. table of stones, right? So what then is the answer to the question of show me your glory? It's what he just did. It's the Ten Commandments are the embodiment of the image of God and, his, and the revelation of his character, his will. Yes. The Ten Commandments cannot be abrogated in any way. Not one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law. You cannot do away with the law of God, for that would imply that you can do away with God. God is no more changeable in terms of any, contrary to his character or his, his love, then, uh, then, uh, then uh, you can go and walk to the moon and back on your own effort. You no. can't do it. It's not going to happen. God is immortal. God is true. He's steadfast. And his Ten Commandments are a revelation of his will, his character, his image. And let me tell you, when the Bible says, here are the patience of the saints and here are they that keep the commandments of God. By the way, that word keep, I want to, I'm going to come to that in just in a second. They're keeping the commandments, friends. Listen, they're keeping the character of God. They're keeping the revelation of his will. Yes. And that word keep in yes. the, in the Greek, that word keep means not only to possess, 
But it goes right back to what I started for in the beginning with in 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 in, uh, in um, uh, Jude. It means to contend, defend. It means they are defenders of the law of God. Yes, not just keeping it; they're defending it. Yes, I'd just like to um, interject here, please, um, Elderly Carlo, because I think that it's a point that, again, you know, that for us to restress to not just the listeners but to ourselves about what the commandments of God really are. See, and as Elderly Carlo has said, they are in essence the reflection of God Himself. See, and. <clears throat> So um, I just wanted to pause there just to give the listeners time to actually for it to sink in, you see, because um, as you said, the reverence for the law of God has come to almost um, nothing in yep. this world. And, and as Elder Ricardo is stating, and that's why I'm again reiterating this point, listeners, in essence seconding what he's saying, backing up this point, you know, that this is what this is all about. This is the whole reason why this battle is depicted here, because you have mm. a contrast there between a group of people that are rebelling against the law of God and, in essence, against himself, and those who are seeking to honor the law of God, who are honoring himself. So, um, so I just would like, want, wanted to say that that's a listeners to really to think about this study, study this matter, because this is what this whole issue is about. You know, so carry on, please, Elder Ricardo. Well, you know, it's what's it. One, I'm just going to finish this one thought regarding the commandments, and then we can move on from this point. But, however, look very carefully. Now, we talked about the the commandments being the, the standard of righteousness, holiness, etc. So, as I said in Psalm 119, verse 170, all thy commandments are righteousness. Yes. So now, watch very carefully, ladies and gentlemen. It says. And they have the faith of Jesus, meaning by faith, they keep the commandments. And in so doing, they become righteous, meaning that righteousness is by faith. This is the last part, that real critical thing. It's really dealing with that essence of the third angel's message. Because remember, they are living by faith where you see the contrast uh, again implied very clearly that the people who receive the mark of the beast they don't live by faith they live by works yes and so they're trying to save themselves where the saints realize they can't save themselves only god can save them amen to that and so that's really what it's dealing with yes so elder Ricardo, yes this time is moving on as you said there's so much that we can cover with this subject but as well we're not to rush to take our time and let the Lord lead here. Mm. Now, what is the faith of Jesus? Well, we're really, we're, this is, we're walking right into the subject because once again, as we looked at the Ten Commandments, the standard of righteousness, now they have the faith of Jesus. And let me just look at this very, uh, in a, at least to try it as practically as I can. Yes. So the faith of Jesus, meaning that true faith whether it's described in Romans or Galatians or anywhere else in the Bible, for that matter, when it's dealing with the saints, for example, Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. I mean, yes. that is the, the the pinnacle chapter of dealing with the issue of faith and so forth. But all of that that is described there in the 11th chapter, that is describing the faith of Jesus. That's not the faith of Abraham or Isaac or Amen Jacob or anybody else. Their faith that was successful is the faith of Jesus, meaning that true faith, genuine faith, finds an origin. There's a there's a beginning point. Is a this you know a a, a genesis, and that yes. is in Jesus. Amen. Faith of Jesus, the faith of Jesus. True faith is of Jesus, and true faith it leads you to Jesus. Amen. He is the centerpiece. If faith doesn't lead you to jesus christ you don't have faith yes. now i don't care what you know you you just you well, well this person's kind and gentle and loving and full of compassion and, and sympathy and very generous in their in their contributions etc etc what you described is not a saint what you described is a nice person who's still lost in their condition yes. 
You know, should we be kind? Should we be generous? Should we be thoughtful and compassionate towards our fellow man? Absolutely. But none of this will matter unless you possess the faith of Jesus. None. We, You know, Matthew 7, Jesus describes a group of people who come to him in the last days and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done? And they give this list of things that they've done, many wonderful things in thy name, etc. And he says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. I I don't know who you are. And uh, and and so they are they are cast away. Yet it's very fascinating. Yes. They claim to be followers of God. So just because someone claims to have the faith of or a, 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 a quote faith, uh, if it's not genuine faith, true faith, the faith of Jesus, you don't have faith at all. And remember, faith is not a mental assent to acknowledge an understanding of a particular truth. Uh, faith transcends the mental. In other words, I'm not negating the fact that you need knowledge in order to obtain faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So hearing implies mental assent. In other words, there's a point of logic, a rationale, to at least to a certain extent, that you have to comprehend what it is that God is saying in order to uh, uh, latch on to to that promise, in order to, to move forward. However, though, uh, faith has a twofold aspect. There's an element where you have a mental understanding, an acknowledgement yes. of a mental assent, but there's also an element of trust. And that element of trust sometimes reaches a point where your mind cannot fully comprehend. It goes beyond the human reasoning and it transcends into the supernatural. Yes. Um, for example, the virgin birth, when, when, uh, when God told Mary she would have a son, and obviously he would be the Holy Christ, um, you know, she couldn't understand this in the beginning. Uh, and she wasn't doubting in the same way Zechariah did. You know, it, it's, a, it's a little different. He was he completely disbelieved altogether. He yes. did not have, an, you know, with Elizabeth, you know, he, he did not believe at all. Uh, and that's why he was struck with dumbness and uh, 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 couldn't speak. So uh, she was just inquiring. And then it, the uh, then uh, she said, be it unto me according to thy word. And uh, it's a very fascinating concept because that uh, indicates very clearly she had, even though she couldn't fully comprehend how it was going to happen, um, she nonetheless trusted in the Lord to believe that what he said would come to pass. Yes. So there was a, there was a twofold aspect, a mental acknowledgement and understanding to a certain extent, and then an element of trust where she believed that what God said would come to pass. Now, Romans chapter four, let's go over here real quick. Romans chapter four. Let's look at this because this entire chapter, once again, I want to encourage our, our listeners Please go read this chapter because the essence of the argument is that Paul is trying to indicate that Abraham is the example by which we understand the true essence of faith. And at what point was Abraham declared righteous? Was it before he was circumcised or after he was circumcised? Well, God declared him to be righteous before circumcision. Well, if he was righteous before he was circumcised, Paul then says, well, why do you Jews try to enforce circumcision upon the Gentiles if circumcision is not the basis upon which a man is justified? And so the essence of the argument Paul is making is is righteousness by faith, uh, or at least the righteousness of God comes by faith and not by works. So he's, he's showing you really what faith is all about, true faith. And he climaxes this whole argument. He climaxes this argument starting with verse 18. Speaking of Abraham, let's go actually to verse 17 because here's the promise. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Okay, so here is the promise that God makes to Abraham. And he said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, prosperous and so forth. Now. This is the second time he comes. This is the second time God came to Abraham. Because remember, the first time in terms of the promise when he gave it to Abraham regarding a son, uh, he failed. 
uh, he, he um, had Hagar as, uh, as uh, uh, he took took her as his quote wife, and through her, he thought he could fulfill the promise. Uh, and and of course, it was an utter failure. It was a disaster. Ishmael was born, uh, and uh, and so you have this whole um, terrible situation that occurs between Hagar and Sarah, and so forth. So there's a complete disaster. That happens the first time, by the way, and this is when God introduces after the failure, he introduces circumcision and circumcision was symbolic to represent uh, that you're not to lean upon yourself as a means by which to accomplish God's promises, but rather lean upon God wholly uh, to fulfill what you are incapable of fulfilling for yourself. So God's going to work in you both to willing to do of his good pleasure. Now, here comes the second time. Abraham has already failed. Circumcision's already been introduced. But remember, he's already been declared righteous before he was circumcised. So, so circumcision has nothing to do with whether you're righteous or not. Then he says this in verse 18, who, meaning Abraham, against hope, meaning the odds were against him. Okay, that's what it means against hope. The odds were against him believed in hope. Even though the odds were against him, he did not give up believing in what God had promised. And friends, I want to encourage you. You may think the odds are against you. You may think that the world and everything else is turned against you. Listen to me. Hang in there. Don't let go. Hold on. Still believe in the word of the Lord. And watch as what Moses said to the children of Israel. I want to encourage everybody to listen now. What Moses told the children of Israel when they came to the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was about to come upon them and they had mountains on both sides. Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of God. And what did God do just at the right moment? He parted the Red Sea. Friends, listen to me. When you find yourself at the precipice of life and you think there's just no more hope that the odds are against you. I want you to remember the words of Moses, stand still and see the salvation of God, because you're about, if you hold on, if you hold on, you're about to see the Red Sea part. So you hang in there. So who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, meaning the promise that was given, so shall thy seed be. Being not weak in faith. Now, what does it mean by not being weak in faith? It means he persevered. Going back to what we talked about, the patience of the saints endured. He endured. He held on. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to surrender. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to believe. I'm going to hold on. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, which is he did not take into consideration regarding the nature of the circumstances they found themselves in as to whether or not he would believe in what God had said. He was going to believe what God said regardless of the circumstances when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he did not take into consideration these circumstances because it has nothing to do with whether or not uh, what God promised will come to pass. God's promises are not bound by the circumstances of life. Remember, dear friends, please listen to me. The word of God is a su- is supernatural in nature. It's not natural. It's supernatural. And therefore, the word of God supersedes the natural realm. Therefore, why do we live by a, uh, a, a our faith whereby we allow the natural things of life to control our faith? Don't do that. Faith is not to be bound by the natural circumstances of life. Faith transcends the natural and reaches into the realm of the supernatural, clinging onto the word of the Lord that God has uh, uh, that God has given, and thereby allowing God to yes. fulfill what He has promised. And so hold on. He says he staggered not at the promise of God. He did not question doubt. There was no doubt. Nope. I'm not going to let doubt to come into my mind. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm not going to I'm not going to for a moment, not for a moment. Am I going to give way to 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 uh, uh, doubt in in my mind? He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. That's the same thing of not being weak in faith. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Friends, let me tell you something right now. If you're going to learn to live by faith, you got to learn to praise God. Not just in good times, 
but in bad times. He gave God glory. He praised his holy name. And what does that do? It's not so much for God, but it's for you. You need to be encouraged and and praise and thanksgiving encourages you to have more faith and uh, and more trust in the Lord. Then he goes on to say in verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he, God had promised, God was able also to perform. Therefore, it was imputed to him for what? Righteousness. Yes. He says, and it wasn't written for his sake alone. This was written for all of us. This was written for every one of us. So what is the faith of Jesus? What I just described to you is probably the most descriptive manner ever given in scripture over the nature of what true faith is all about. And this is called the faith of Jesus. Yes. So thanks, Elder Ricardo, um, for sharing um it's text and i um before we round on to our last question i'd also like to share hebrews 12 verses 2 to 4 again because there are many of our listeners who may not have spent time in scripture and there are some who still may struggle with the concept of the faith of jesus it says here looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Mm. So faith starts with him and it ends with him. Amen. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. We, we shared this earlier about patience. Despising yep. the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's shown us how to gain the victory. And again, for consider him that endured so much contradiction of sinners against himself lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. As Elder Ricardo has said, hold on, listeners, hold on. Because yep. it says you have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. And so I just thought to round off that question again with another scripture text, again to add weight to the evidence that Elder Ricardo has brought forth this evening. And so again, time is moving on, but um, we round off now. Why does the third angel's message end with the saints? Well, once again, if you're going back and look at the context of the third angel's message, as I've said in the beginning, when you're looking at the end part here, really verse uh, verse 12, when talking about the, you know, the ending of uh, here, the saints, you have a contrast. You've got the wicked described in verses 9, 10, and 11. Yes. Then you have the righteous. And I think the focal point, really, when you look at this, is that, you know, it's like the, uh, you know, um, I think personally when I look at this, particularly as the as the third angel's message ends with the saints, you, you, it's a focal point. Yes. It's not just, it's not just a warning, an admonition. You're looking at something else. In other words, you don't have to be a part of those who receive the mark of the beast. You can be among yes. the saints. And I think there's words of encouragement. There's the third angel's message that encompasses not only the mark of the beast, the image of the beast, the, 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 uh, the uh, number of his name, etc. But also there is righteousness by faith. Yes. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it really embodies that concept when you're looking at that last part, you know, why does it end here? Why does the third angel's message end with the saints? And to me, again, I think it's an appeal. I personally believe that yes. God is calling each and every one to embrace the third angel's message in his fullness. Not not, not just one part, all of it. And, yes. and that last part, dealing with the righteousness, which is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, let me tell you this right now. Without Jesus Christ in your life, I don't care who you are. Now, I, look, you may have a, a good life in many ways. That, that may well be the case. But remember, the Bible says God, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Yes. You know, God blesses everybody. Okay, so let's, let's understand that. However, uh, if you don't have Jesus in your life, truly, I'm talking in really truly, uh, your life is still void. There's something wrong. There's something missing. And you're missing the best part. And if you look at your life and see that you are rather somewhat prosperous, uh, 
That's because God is showing his love towards you to help you to turn your eyes toward him, not the things of the world. You're not prosperous because of what you've done. Wealth comes because of the Lord. Blessings come because of the Lord. And so if you've been blessed in any form fashion, that's because God's been, once again, showing you his kindness. Even though you and I uh, don't deserve it, it just shows the kind of character he has, that he loves us and he treats us with the utmost respect in so many ways. Sadly to say, some are going to turn from that goodness, turn from the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to um, cast away um, uh, their hope and their salvation. And I pray to God this will not be the case with you. So I want to leave you with that to really look at this concept, this idea. When you're looking at the saints, you're looking at a climactic moment in the third angel's message, drawing your attention to these, these people who keep the commands of God and have the faith of Jesus. Yes. Elder Ricardo, we'll have a break and we'll come back with some rounding thoughts. Mm. Third angel's message. Elder Ricardo, final closing thoughts, please. Well, today we looked at something really important, in my opinion, and I think we looked at something that is critical, that frankly is lacking within Christianity, particularly in the, you know, in the churches. You really don't hear this type of a message too often. And it's sad that the so many don't understand the true importance of verse 12 in relation to the third angel's message. And I want to appeal to each and every one who's been listening to this message that you have, that you have to understand there's, that there's a decision that needs to be made between the mark of the beast and those who follow God and keep his commandments. And so I want to encourage our listeners. I really, truly want to encourage you to possess uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, uh, ask him to come into your heart, invite him in and, and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And in so doing, learn what it really means to uh, have the patience of the saints to live by faith and keeping the commandments of God, because um, this is the key to salvation. This is the key to victory over the beast and his image and his mark. And so may God bless you. May God bless your families. And uh, I just want to give God all the praise and glory. Amen. Elder Carla, let's have a closing prayer for this evening. 
Once again, Father in heaven, we thank you for everything you've ever done for us. And we can thank you so much, dear Lord, for really blessing our time together. Please help us, Lord, to remember your, your goodness and your mercy, your kindness. Lord, give us, I pray, the faith of Jesus that we may stand faithful and true in the midst of the greatest opposition. But Lord, I ask, please, that you'll pour out your Holy Spirit on us in such a way that we will be filled with overflowing. Please, dear God, there are those today struggling, and I ask that you be with them and help them. Those that are sick, we pray for healing. We ask, dear God, that you please help each and every one. Thank you once again. Bless us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Elder DiCarlo, thank you once again for joining us on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Listeners, if you have any questions or if you'd like more information, please send an email to inquiries at wildernesspublications.org or you can send a text message to 07944062786. If you live in the United Kingdom, please contact us with your name and address and we will send you a free bookmark called The Third Angel's Message. If you have the Android app for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the ebook section then find the title Bible Readings for the Home. At chapter 52, you will find the subject, The Third Angel's Message. This chapter will give you more information about today's topic. You can also listen to and download our radio show podcasts at https colon forward slash forward slash voice dash i n dash t h e dash wilderness dot podcast page dot io forward slash on next week's show we will discuss the subject will man's probation on this earth ever close well that's it for tonight's show until next week good night and god bless voice in the wilderness internet radio enlightening the world every week it's not just knowing about the doctrine in the bible that is not what we stand for here streaming powerful biblically based messages this congregation may never be gathered together again as we see voice in the wilderness internet radio enlightening the world every week